You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, I think you saw just, you know, last year not having him around. Jair's got an unbelievable energy that he brings each and every day, and he has a lot of fun out there on the field. And I think, you know, his teammates feed off that. So we we missed that, obviously, last year when not having him. Now, thankfully, we had some other guys really, you know, step up, given their opportunities when you look at what Stokes was able to do and what, Rasul was able to do so we've got a lot of depth you know with those three guys right there and um but yeah I just think Jair again he just brings so much to the team in terms of just how he prepares on a daily basis how he competes on a daily basis and elevate everybody around him that was head coach Matt LaFleur giving us an update just kind of talking about the uh the defensive backs room here and uh, OTAs, and we guys, you know, obviously we've got mandatory minicamp going on right now. We got Aaron Rodgers in the building. Um, everything seems to be going well. I'm hearing rumors now that Alan Lazard is officially in Green Bay. We'll find out soon enough if that is the case. Uh, kind of hoping he might get a contract extension. I, I really like Alan Lazard, but at the same time, um, you know, you don't want to overpay. That's a fact. So uh, obviously he's using this as leverage to uh, to get a better contract or, or possibly get traded um, uh, out of, not traded, what I heard earlier, I believe it was on a, a show out of Milwaukee, they said that Alan Lazard was actually in the process of possibly um, uh, seeking a uh, another team as far as them uh, offering the tender. That way, you know, obviously he would, he would, they would gain rights to him and the Packers would get compensation. I haven't heard anything from big name sources as far as that goes, if there's any, uh, any truth to that. But we may touch on that later in the show. But, uh, my name is Clayton Bailey. Welcome into Packers Total Access. You can find us on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can also email the show, uh, at Packers Total Access at gmail.com. I'm sorry, no ad on the front side. Packers Total Access at gmail. Dot com. Just want to thank everybody for listening today. It's a, it's a great Thursday afternoon. Uh, appreciate you tuning in. And we've got a, a cool little show on tap for you here. First of all, we're uh, we're going to answer a, uh, a listener email, and we're going to tie in the history segment, just like last time with Jerry Kramer. We're going to tie this one in, and we're actually going to talk a little bit about the uh, the city of Milwaukee as far as, uh, you know, how the Packers used to play there. And I, I think we just, I thought it'd be cool that we'd uh, take a little walk down memory lane. So we're going to do that. We're also going to cover the cornerback room as far as contracts go. So we're going to kind of look at the contractual standpoint of the cornerbacks uh, on the team. You know, uh, obviously Jair signing the new deal, uh, Rasul signing a three-year deal, 
as well as Eric Stokes under contract for a multitude of years. So we're going to kind of look at that and see maybe what the future holds um, as we get a little deeper into this offseason and get ready for training camp. So we're going to hit on that. But before we get into the first listener email, I'm going to hit on another uh, listener email. And this is really just a thank you. Um, actually, uh, it, it's, it's Jake H was what it showed me on Venmo. And then I got an email confirming, I believe it's Jake Hazard. I think I'm saying it right. Uh, actually, uh, made a donation to the show through Venmo uh, on my Twitter, on my Twitter page. You can see that I have that link up there. That's something I just put up there by default. Obviously we don't ask for donations, but it, it is very, very much appreciated. Jake, I want to thank you for your support, man. And, and just to let you know, um, I'm going to take that $20 donation. I appreciate that, man. That's not a, it's not a small donation. I mean, that's that's pretty significant. 20 bucks is 20 bucks. But uh, I'm going to take that $20 and I'm going to throw it towards Drew's GoFundMe over on uh, on Ryan Schlipp's uh, at, uh, let's see, uh, at pack underscore daddy. If you guys click on his Twitter account, you'll see the GoFundMe there. And we're kind of coming down the stretch for Drew and uh, and that GoFundMe to get him his uh, seizure service dog. So I'm going to throw that $20 towards that. And uh, and help him get a little bit closer. Um, I appreciate the donation, and there'll there'll probably become a day where I'll accept those personally. But in the meantime, uh, you know, top priority is going to be knocking out that GoFundMe for Drew. So once again, Jake, thank you so much for uh, for the donation. We really really appreciate it. But with that being said, let's just get right into the show here. And the email that was sent to me, this was actually sent from Chuck Jagers or Jaggers. I'm sorry if I'm. Uh, uh, miss uh, mispronouncing that last name there. It's a really cool name if it is Jaggers. I like that a lot. But uh, it says, hey, Chuck here. Milwaukee-born, but Carlsbad, California is home now. That's really, really cool. I, I ran into several uh, Packer fans at the uh, VIP tailgate uh, experience last year. Um, we actually had that over at the Green Bay Distillery, I believe is what it was called. <clears throat> Just a couple blocks from Lambeau Field. And it was an indoor, you know, kind of climate control, big screen TV everywhere. They had an awesome buffet set up. It's something you pay extra with uh, Event USA. When you get your tickets, you could pay extra to have a ticket to um, the uh, the uh, tailgate party there, the VIP experience. And it was really, really cool. But we ran into several fans that were from California. I was really surprised. A really, really awesome family. It was a an older gentleman. I say older. He was older than me, but he, he looked great for his age. I believe he was in his 60s. His wife was with him, so they flew out from California. And they had their daughter with them, um, which was from uh, Boston. She was living in Boston, going to school up there in Massachusetts. And it was really, really cool to uh, to meet that family from California. We had a lot of a lot of common interests. Uh, really surprised me being from California. You know, uh, when you when you talk politics, Californians tend to have a, a very opposite polit- uh, political view. Um, I should say, uh, you know, diametrically opposed to someone who's from Tennessee. But we were lockstep with our political views, and it's funny how that got brought up quick. Because as soon as I hear California, I'll be honest with you, I don't want to argue with people, man. I want to get along with people. I want to, you know. Just uh, have a good conversation to talk about the Packers. But as soon as I heard California, I thought, man, we probably don't have a lot in common, but that's okay. And they spilled the beans quick, and I was like, holy cow. When they heard I was from Tennessee, they were like, we're actually thinking of moving to Tennessee. Love what your state stands for. But it was just a really cool conversation. But uh, with that being said, I mentioned that because he says he's from Cali, and there's a lot of a lot of Packer fans from California, which is really, really cool. So uh, he said, California's home now. I have two questions, one a fun question and then a real one. All right, it says, fun question. Being born in Milwaukee, I would love to see Green Bay play at Miller Park slash American Family Field. Uh, it can be 
uh, every five. Hell, make it every 10 years playing in Milwaukee. Um, I guess he's saying anything's better than nothing. Packaging a Brewers game and a Green Bay game in the same city would be awesome. The real question is, what are your thoughts on playoff Matt LaFleur? And uh, in my opinion, the gameplay looks vanilla. Uh, doesn't appear to uh, have any urgency and not enough laying it all on the line. 12 can score 40-plus points with special teams receivers. And Mike's playbook, but we can't put up 20-plus at home in the playoffs, is concerning. It's a very good point. So we'll hit on that here in a second. But what I thought we would do, um, since you mentioned Milwaukee, first of all, I'm totally on board with that, man. Play a game in Milwaukee because, you know, if you know anything about the history of the Green Bay Packers, first of all, I'm sure there's people that live in Green Bay and traditional Packer fans that are going right now, they're going, no, 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 no. We want every game possible at Lambeau Field. I completely understand that. I do. Um, you don't want to take any game away from the greatest stadium in the history of pro football, right? And I think in the history of football, period, it, that that trumpets Notre Dame, that trumpets a big, big house in Michigan and the shoe at Ohio State, all of it. I think Lambeau Field is just the football shrine when it comes to football stadiums. But at the same time, the reason that Milwaukee is so important to the history of the Green Bay Packers is because without those fans in Milwaukee, the Packers would not exist today. That's a fact. That's that's Bob Harlan 101. That's not Clayton Bailey 101. That's Bob Harlan saying if it hadn't been for the Milwaukee fans, then uh, then the Green Bay Packers would not exist today and how they supported them. So been a lot of controversy kind of around uh, the Packers playing down there. But nonetheless, um, what I thought we would do, uh, first of all, I'm on board with that. I'm cool with playing a game down in Milwaukee. I think that would be awesome. That's a really cool-looking stadium, retractable roof, all that stuff. Obviously, I want football played outside, but at the same time, that would be a really really, really cool setting. I like it when college teams play at pro stadiums and uh, and just kind of that, you know, you know, I think it was Notre Dame that played a few years ago at, at Yankee Stadium. And I just think that's really, really cool. It's almost like a throwback feel. But I thought we would kind of kind of recap the last, the very last game that was played in Milwaukee. And that was December 18th, 1994. This will be your history segment here. It says the headline, I pulled it up on the Milwaukee Journal, uh, Journal Sentinel, I'm sorry, um, from uh, 1994. And this was actually Bob McGinn when he reported for the uh, Milwaukee Journal, but it says Packers soar on Brett Favre's flight, and it says the Green Bay Packers endured an, an entire season of blown opportunities to finally pull out a close game at the end. They also waited 20 years to find a worthy successor to to Bart Starr as their quarterback. Think about this guy. This is when it first really kicked off for Brett Favre, and they had no idea what they had their hands on, right? It says um, Brett Favre st- <clears throat> stamped himself indelibly in the memories of the loyal fans of Milwaukee on Sunday with the Packers and most memorable play of the season seemingly headed for oblivion with one damn the torpedoes full steam ahead dash if you guys don't know what damn the torpedoes mean you need to google that that's a really really cool history uh you know story uh, for American history during the Civil War I believe it was down in Mobile Alabama if I remember correctly it's somewhere down toward the Gulf really cool story there but that's not what we're talking about here I just thought it was cool it was mentioned but full steam ahead dash to either destruction or glory Favre saved the season with a diving exclamation point in a 21-17 victory over the Atlanta Falcons in the Packers' final game at County Stadium. Quote, it's vintage Brett Favre, kicker Chris Jackie said. Dumb and brilliant at the same time. If he doesn't make the first down or get out of bounds, we'd have been in trouble. Um, By outrunning defensive end Chuck Smith to the corner and hurling his body across the goal line for the nine-yard touchdown with 14 seconds remaining, Favre climaxed a decisive 10-play, 67-yard drive. But he had failed and been tackled 
if he, but had he failed and been tackled in bounds on his third and two scramble, the Packers might not have been able to uh, reassemble, snap the ball, and stop the clock because they were out of timeouts. Now, I'm not going to read the entire article, but if you guys ever seen that play, you know exactly. You could see it in your mind. Favre completely outstretched, diving towards two defenders, straight into danger to cross the goal line. If you hear Mike Holmgren talk about that play, it is brilliant. Mike Holmgren said before the play, he said, listen, Brett, we don't have any timeouts. You cannot take a sack here. You cannot get tackled inbounds. The clock will run out. The game will be over here on this third and two scramble. So what does Brett? Brett says, like he always did, the old gullible Mississippian, right? He says, got it, got it, coach. Goes out there, snaps the ball, immediately scrambles. (laughs) But as you guys know, it it was all or nothing, and that's the way Brett played. If he dives short of the end zone, the game is over. And rather than get out of bounds or try to stop the clock or what have you, he goes for the throat. He goes for the win. And that's something that I really feel like we haven't seen in some time. I mean, it, to me, it's I've got the, the picture hanging here on the wall, and I, I did it on purpose. I've got a black and white photo wall here in the studio, and I did that one in black and white. And right next to it, I have Bart Starr calling the cadence at the Ice Bowl before the quarterback sneak, right? And I have those together for a reason because, to me, it's it's a similar play. You've got Brett. If, if he doesn't make it into the end zone, the ball game is over, right? They lose the game. If Bart does not make it in the end zone off that quarterback sneak, the game is over there during the ice bowl. So I have those side by side for that very reason. And just what an awesome, awesome play and a walk down memory lane. I mean, uh, I was going through this article and it, and it, it, it just, I wasn't a Packer fan at the time, but I've went back and watched that game multiple times on YouTube. And uh, it's just something special. I could only imagine all those years that went by that the Green Bay Packer fans didn't have you know, a championship team and didn't really even have anything to root for. They very seldom made the playoffs. And then what you have here with this this specific game is is this launching of a new era. You know, it said that he kind of stepped into his own there along Bart Starr to kind of launch that, that dynasty. And I just think it's really, really cool. Um, so let's go back to it. It says, Holmgren sent out three wide receivers for the first time in the drive. Terry Mickens and Morgan tied on the left and Robert Brooks on the right. The Packers sent five receivers in the pattern with Mickens on a short crossing route uh, from left to right. Brooks on a deep post pattern. Chamora working into the middle of the end zone and Morgan and Bennett occupying defenders on the short left. It's an all quote. This is John Gruden speaking. It's an all-purpose play against any defense. As Favre took a five-step drop, right tackle Joe Sims was being bull rushed by Smith. It was a gamble by Smith because if he if he got sucked inside, there was no one to contain Favre if he scrambled right. Usually he was coming up the field. Sims said about Smith, but the pain-killing shot I took before the game had started to wear off. Wow, what a different era, man. I think he saw me limping, and he tried to bowl over me. As Smith pushed Sims backwards, uh, Gaithers broke free inside with the patent forklift power move against Gelbreath. As far bounced right, Sims noticed him in his peripheral vision. He shuffled his feet and hooked Smith, which was crucial to the success of the play. I mean, this is just this is awesome stuff. Favre stumbled at the six, gathered himself at the three, and lunged in the air. He landed just across the goal line, safely under the charge of the big rookie cornerback Anthony Phillips. "Quote: It could have been another Jay Novacek," said Morgan, um, a reference to the Cowboys' tight end who was tackled on the six-inch line as time expired in Cleveland's 19 to 14 victory last week. Hey, 
Quote, hey, we have to get lucky one of these days, Sims said. Brett's not perfect, a perfect guy, but he's such a winner. Um, just a really, really cool story. I thought that would be very, very, uh, you know, kind of fitting to talk about giving Chuck, uh, Chuck Jaggers his uh, um, question here. So that was really, really cool. Now, let's address the second part of that question, and that's Matt LaFleur in the playoffs. Um, I'm going to be really quick about this. Um, I'm a big Matt LaFleur fan, as you guys know. I absolutely love Coach LaFleur. He's got the highest winning percentage. This is not BS, guys. And, and, and it was easy to say this in the first season. It was easy to say this in the second season. Well, now we're three full seasons in. He has the highest winning percentage in the history of the National Football League. I want you to think about that. Think of all the great coaches. And there's not a single coach in the history of the, of the National Football League, no matter how many games were played. You know, you might look at it and go, oh, well, this, this guy has a higher one, but he only coached 10 games. I'm talking about all time. He has the highest winning percentage of all coaches. But we, even as a LaFleur fan, I cannot look at the playoff results and just go, ah, it ain't no big deal. It's very concerning to me. It is. If I'm going to be 100% honest up front, it's something that's concerning to me. Now, it's easy also as a Packer homer and a LaFleur lover to look at uh, those games and go, well, yeah, well, look what happened. Look what happened with Stokes there before halftime against Tampa the year before. Ah, uh, you know, they ran into a buzzsaw with Sam Fran the year before. And then last year you say, well, the special teams let them down last year. I'm sorry, man. It, that falls on the head coach. It does. So um, I'm not here to turn this into a bash fest for Matt LaFleur, but I feel like if he does figure this out, Chuck, I'm with you, man. They've underperformed in the playoffs under LaFleur. There's no two ways about it. But if he figures that out this year or even next year, now let's hope it's this year, right? But if he figures that out, could you imagine – if Matt LaFleur wins a Super Bowl here in the next two to three years and he continues with the winning percentage, could you imagine going into year, you know, five, you know, year four, year five, whatever it is, and be able to say Matt LaFleur is the most the the winningest coach in the history of the National Football League and he has a Lombardi trophy already? I mean the guy doesn't look like he's going to slow down. You know, McVay out with the L.A. Rams, you know, which I mentioned him because LaFleur is a byproduct of his his coaching tree, if you will. Um, it, he's a guy that he's already flirting with the idea. He just got married. And he's flirting with the idea of stepping away from football and actually doing media. I don't get that feeling with Matt LaFleur. I feel like he's a guy that's a grinder. He loves the game, and he wants to go down as one of the all-time greats. Not that not that McVay doesn't, but McVay's eyes are in a, a, a little bit, you know, his mind's in a little bit different place right now. So, um, yeah, Chuck, I'm with you, dude. we got to get that playoff stuff shored up. And it does seem like they get a little bit conservative in the playoffs, but at the same time, it's so hard for me not to look at what cost them those games and go, I kind of, I'm kind of okay with them being conservative because they've been in every one of those games, and and that's where my personality type. I'm not a very aggressive person, especially when it comes to business or a goal I'm trying to hit. I'm very calculated in how I look at things, and that's that's definitely a weakness of mine because I'm not the guy that's let's just go all in, let's go, you know, gamble it all, and let's try to put up 40 points. I would much rather have a calculated approach and be in every game. And what I'm trying to say is, there's a lot of fans that will. Uh, you know, look at look at a coach like this and say, well, he can't win the big one. He can't get over the hump. And that's a fair argument. But there's also something to be said that he's in every single game he coaches. Look at how consistent he's been with winning. That was my big thing with Mike McCarthy. And I, I felt like I was in the minority with it. The thing I liked about Coach McCarthy was you were very, very rare, uh, you know, seldom were you out of ball games. 
You might lose a lot of close ones, but man, you never really every week in and week out you really felt like we got a shot to win this week. And as a football fan, I don't know if you can ask for much more than that when you talk about just how close the competition is in the National Football League. I mean, you're talking about the difference between the worst team and the best team is very, very minute when it comes to the National Football League. I know sometimes the score doesn't show that, but at the same time, if you're if you're into gambling, and I am a little bit, I just I kind of like the tradition of putting a little action on the game. I mean, the fact that the, the average point spread is three points, that says enough uh, for me about just how close uh, the worst team is to the best team um, when it comes to the National Football League. So, Chuck, man, thank you so much for taking the time to email the show. I, I think it was awesome to walk down memory lane there with that last game in Milwaukee, and I'm with you, man. Let's play one out there. Let's go to Milwaukee and play a game there and, and, and take a game there for the fans. You know, I think that would be really cool. So, uh, Chuck, thank you for that email. Also, once again, thank you, Jake, for the $20 Venmo. I'm going to make sure I send that over immediately to uh, Drew's uh, GoFundMe for the seizure service stall, but thank you so much for that. And like I said, guys, until we get that knocked out, any donations I get, that's what it's going towards. And we got another announcement that may be coming up here real soon that we're going to be able to help some people out, and we'll we'll talk about that later. But we're going to jump now into the cornerback room and talk about the cornerback contracts. But before we do, let's take us a quick commercial break. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, well, you heard the sound bite there as we kicked off the show. That was Coach Matt LaFleur, uh, you know, talking about Jair and the energy he brings to the room. Seen a really cool video. You can check it out. Find it on YouTube or on Packers.com. And I do want to give credit for that opening audio. That came from Packers.com as well. It's very, very important that we acknowledge who it is we get that audio from uh, moving forward for sure. But, um, you know, he talked about – or the the video I I was going to plug was – it was Adrian Amos getting interviewed in the locker room after practice, after OTAs. And Jair Alexander popped in and just just acted real real funny, real weird in front of the camera. 
Amos laughed about it. Jair brings something to the table that's very, very important when you're building a team. It's very important to have people that kind of loosen that mood a little bit. And it, it really, really speaks volumes, um, you know, when you when you have someone who has the amount of talent that Jair has, right, and uh, and is able to do that. I, it's just – it's Bill Belichick 101 when, it talk, when you talk about creating a locker room, you know, it's or creating a team and, and that locker room atmosphere. Everybody looks at Bill Belichick like he's this hateful old man. Yes, that's how he portrays himself to the media, but if you talk to the players – um, they they talk about how good of a how much of a sense of humor he has, right? They talk about how polite he is to his players. You know, there's assistant coaches that talk about how Belichick just hands them wads of cash, guys that that maybe aren't getting paid as much as some of the uh, the bigger name assistants, and just how he takes money out of his pocket and gives it to guys who are working hard there within the office, rewarding the people that are becoming the scrappers, the slappies, the guys that, that do all the stuff behind the scenes that make an organization go. And I mentioned, I know this is a Packers podcast, but I've been studying Bill Belichick for several years now. I'm going to continue to do that with every single book that's written about him because the culture he's created is huge. And and those players, you know, you see how uh, Mack and, and Kendrick Bourne and all those guys have kind of rallied around Bill and they want to do well for him. But he had a quote in a book I was reading here recently. It said, it's not the strength of individual players. It's the strength of how they function together. I'm going to read it again. It's not the strength of individual players. It's the strength of how they function together. And it's so huge to have that locker room chemistry. And, and that's what I see with this Green Bay Packers team. Like I was talking about Jair, you know, cutting up with uh, with Amos and all that. And they just it just seems like the team is in a really, really good place. And I think Matt LaFleur has done a good job of creating that culture of, of caring about one another and all of that. So let's jump right into Jair's contract right at the top of the list here. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players we're going to highlight. I'm going to try to go quick and make this not not so monotone or boring. But when it comes to Jair, obviously he just signed that new contract this year. Um, he's under contract for five years now, uh, counting this year. The cap hit this year is at $7.07 million. Next year that cap hit jumps up to $20 million flat. And then the following year, $22 million flat and then 23.5, 25.5. So you see just a slight escalator each and every year. I'm sorry, guys, but by the time he gets to the second and third year of this contract, there's going to be corners making way more money than $22 million, which is what he's set to make in 2024. So Jair is under contract for five years. That right there, in my opinion, is great, great news. So let's move on to the second one. This is a guy that uh, kind of won our hearts last year. That's Rasul Douglas. And uh, when you look at his contract extension that he signed, you know, he kind of tested free agency a little bit. You could tell he wanted to stay in Green Bay. He's got a three-year deal that includes this year. The cap hit this year is $3.3 million. Next year it jumps to $6.7 million. And then it jumps to $10.7 million. Now, this is one of those quintessential one- to two-year deals, even though it's technically a three-year contract. And I'll tell you why. In 2023, his cap hit is $6.7 million, but the dead cap is $3.5 million. So to put that into perspective, if we cut Russell Douglas uh, next year, you're going to end up freeing up about, what, three, right at $3 million in cap space. Okay, let's say he makes it the roster again next year. He's playing great. In 2024, he's uh, on the hook for $10.7 million of the cap. His cap penalty, or dead cap, I should say, is only $1.7 million. So you cut him loose next year, or in 2024, and you free up $9 million. And that's going to be very, very important, important uh, moving forward. They may extend 
him. They may put some voidable years on the backside. If they do, that means he's playing great. If he's not playing great, then within two years, really after this year, he's uh, he, he, you know we have the ability to cut him and actually pick up some cap space. But uh, yeah, I, I, I like Rasul. I hope he works out. Um, but it's nice uh, to see how they did that contract. I think that's a bargain for a guy that had a great year last year. Um, you know, the PFF grade suggests he didn't have as good as a year as the stats may show when it comes to the interceptions. But man, the way he played in big time moments, you can't put a price tag on that. When you're talking about getting a guy for 3.3 million, that you know, you when you ask yourself, is he worth 3.3 million against the cap this year? Go back and watch that Arizona Cardinals game. Because I'm telling you right now, man, that was as clutch a play as it gets. And I know A.J. Green didn't do his part. I know uh, they wasn't on the same page. But at the same time, that guy made plays all year long. What if he takes another step in this year's uh, defense, right? He knows the defense a little bit better. And he takes a step. And he goes from that PFF grade. I think he graded out in the 70s. What if he jumped into the 80s? Could you imagine Jair Alexander playing at his peak performance anywhere from 80 to 90 PFF grade? And then having Rasul do the same thing? And then Eric Stokes taking a step forward? I mean, that would be absolutely awesome. And uh, Eric Stokes is actually next on the list. Um, he's on the on the on the books here for the next three years. Obviously, last year was his rookie campaign. We know how the rookie contracts are structured. They're structured in a way that you can't cut them loose. If you do, you're losing money big time. All right. So when you draft somebody, especially in the first and second round, it's enough of a cap hit and enough of a dead cap penalty that the CBA. This is one thing the union did get right with the new CBA is protecting rookies in that regard. Now they're getting less money, which you know obviously catered to the veterans. The big argument was rookie players should never get paid more than veterans. Uh, you know, as far as at the top of the list of both veterans and rookies. Um, so they, they went this route and kind of got the contracts guaranteed for first-round picks and, and a lot of it guaranteed for second-round picks. But Eric Stokes comes in at $2.7 million against the cap this year. Next year it only jumps to 3.2. Then the following year it jumps to 3.7. Then obviously in 2025 uh, we have the option to uh, pick up the fifth-year option, which – um, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Maybe they'll actually extend him before then and avoid the fifth-year option. However, uh, that fifth-year option is a great tool. You know, JJ Lay he called it with Darnell Savage, and uh, Darnell Savage, you know, obviously getting that fifth-year extension, and uh, you know, it's uh, it's looking like this is going to be a great, great measuring stick for us and the Green Bay Packers to see, okay, when they do apply the fifth-year option without obviously working on a new contract immediately. What is what is it that they tend to do? This would be a good gauge with Darnell Savage. Do they work out a long-term deal? And obviously that fifth-year option was just trying to bridge that gap to the new contract. Or did they simply use it to say, you know what, let's keep him for one more year while we figure out the future. Either way, if Darnell Savage balls out, I'm going to be a happy camper. I know that because I, I want that guy to pan out uh, just as much as anybody. So uh, let's move on to the next guy, and that is going to be Shamar Gene Charles. And when you look at uh, Shamar Jean Charles, if I can find him here, probably under the J's, I'm sure. There he is. All right. I'm going in this direction rather than, uh, you know, the, the Keyshawn Nixon and the Cabian Intos and all them because I know Shamar Jean Charles is under contract for multiple years. And that's something, guys, as we talked about pushing some of this money into the future and kind of playing for now, right? And uh, and we're, we're kind of borrowing from tomorrow to, to pay today, right? Um, 
this is something that's going to come in in uh in very very valuable very handy is making sure that these guys that are on next to minimum contracts uh, for multiple years that we keep them on the roster and i really think it's going to help decide roster uh spots this year because you don't want to lose that contract if indeed you did cut them but when it comes to shamar gene charles uh, he's got three years left on his deal he's only getting paid eight hundred eighty-five thousand this year it jumps to one million flat next year and then 1.1 million the following year uh, up next we've got a guy that i have really no idea uh, i don't know much about him i don't know how the contract came about and I'm probably going to botch his name, but we're going to try it anyway. And that's Raleigh Texado, Texado, I think is how you say it. Um, but he's under contract, uh, according to Spotrack, for three years. Okay, he's got three years left on his deal. The cap hit this year is 706. It jumps to 871 next year, and then 986. So never at any point in the next three years does he break a million dollars towards the cap, right? Now the dead cap is showing only showing only three grand this year, two grand next year, and one grand next year. That kind of looks like a structure of a futures contract, but we're not going to bore you with all of those details. Really, the only thing um, that that I want to really hit on in scenarios like this is helping people understand, you know, like what Andrew Brandt talked about with cash over cap and voidable years and things like that, just to kind of give you a little bit better perspective on how the contract sits. So up next, we are going to hit on uh, Keyshawn Nixon. Now, this is the guy that all signs indicate that, uh, you know, him coming from Las Vegas, um, this looks like Rich Passaccia, uh, the new special teams coordinator, wanted him on his special team. So the Packers went out and got him. Now, they got him for next to nothing. He's only on a one-year deal. $965,000 cap hit this year, okay? And the reason I went in the order I did is because now we're down to the one-year players. And it's important to understand that because when you look at these one-year contracts, do you cut loose someone who has multiple years and keep someone with one year, and now you've got two spots to fill next year where we know we're going to be in some uh, some salary cap dilemma next year that we got to clean up uh, for some point or another. So the last thing you want to do is uh, cut loose those multi-year contracts when you know for a minimum deal you can keep those guys in and help fill out the roster. So it's really going to come down to who performs and are they outperforming the guy that has the multi-year contract or not. So moving on to the next guy is KBN Ento. KBN Ento is just on a one-year deal as well, 705000 hardly even worth mentioning. And then you've got uh, Enos Gaines at 705000 on a one-year deal. So why did I mention that? What I want to point out here is we typically carry five to six cornerbacks, okay? Let's say we only carry five like we did last year, five cornerbacks, and I think we carried four safeties. There might have been five safeties, but most likely four safeties. So if we're going to carry five corners into next year, then and you did not want to have to re restructure deals, you didn't want to have to overpay for these guys that could potentially be free agents, what it tells me is, hell or high water, you want to make sure these guys are on your team. Obviously, Jair Alexander, Russell Douglas, and Eric Stokes. You want to keep Shamar Gene Charles because he's got three years left on his deal, and Raleigh Texado. If you do that, then you've got one, two, three, four, five corners on your roster going into next year. You don't even have to worry about fooling with that. Right now, here's the question. Do you keep six corners now because of Keyshawn Nixon and his special teams play? I think it's pretty much a guarantee that Keyshawn Nixon makes the team, seeing that Rich Bisaccia handpicked him and wanted him to come over. I imagine that when they interviewed Rich Bisaccia, the coaching staff for the Packers and Mark Murphy or whoever, you know, Brian Gudikins, who whoever, you know, all was involved in that hire, I guarantee you 
they they threw the book at him and he said, listen, I want to be able to pick out some of my players. If you really want me to turn this special teams core around, then I'm going to be able to, I'm going to need to be able to shop for some groceries. They go out and Keyshawn, get Keyshawn Nixon, have a hard time believing they would cut him this year. So maybe what they end up doing is putting Raleigh Texado on the practice squad, then bring him back on a futures contract. They may be able to work something like that in. Um, but up next would be KB and Ento. Um, you know, I, like I said, I think they probably uh, there's a good chance they cut KB and Ento and Enos Gaines. If my my bet would be the top five would be Jair, Rasul, Eric uh, Eric Stokes, Shamir, Shamar, Gene Charles, and then Keyshawn Nixon. If you keep six, then you probably keep Raleigh Texado. Would be my guess. So uh, that's kind of how the cornerback contracts stack up there. Right now, why do I mention that? It's because as we cover these contracts here in the offseason during the slow time, we want to kind of forecast ahead and say, okay, what is this? What does the roster look like next year? All we keep hearing, one side says the salary cap's fake. The other side says the salary cap's 100% real. They're both right. But for me, it always comes down to dates. You know, deadlines spur activity. That's Andrew Brandt 101. And if you guys didn't hear him, he done an excellent job on the Pat McAfee show today. You want to go back and listen to that. Andrew Brandt's a guy that that helped structure the contracts for the Packers for a, a long, long time. Um, he was there when Aaron Rodgers got drafted. He's very close to Aaron Rodgers at times. They said Aaron Rodgers actually babysit his children. So he's got some strong ties to the Packers, and he's a big, big Packer fan. Now, he's been wrong. Don't get me wrong. He predicted that Brett, uh, that, uh, Brett Favre, that Aaron Rodgers would not play for the Packers this year. He said that last year. This is just one year left. If he does come back this year, it's just one year left. Well, here he is coming back another year, right? So he did get that wrong. But I think it's important to understand what does the roster look like next year. I want to put some of these fears to bed for you guys that are going, God, what are we going to do about the future? Because people are talking about the salary cap hell that the Packers are in. Well, when you look at the salary cap next year, as of right now, if the season were to start with the projected salary cap increase that's somewhere around $10 million, I believe, if I understood correctly, give or take a mil, um, we've got 45 players on the roster next year. Okay. Now, keep in mind that the only the top 51 players on the roster actually count towards the cap. Okay. So with 45 players on the roster, what that means is that it, it doesn't just mean, okay, well, we can only sign, uh, you know, it would be, what, eight more players to fill out the 53. No, you just got to get the 51, and then you could load down that 90-man roster with a bunch of other players, and as long as they're paid less than what those top 51 are, they don't even count against the cap. So don't fool yourself into thinking, we're not even going to be able to fill out a roster, okay? There's nothing to worry about there. But with that being said, as of right now for 2023, there are 45 players that are on the roster under contract, Okay. Now listen, don't also don't kid yourself into thinking that those contracts aren't going to get restructured. There's going to be some contracts that get voidable years tacked on like we did with Randall Cobb, Dean Lowry, other players this year. That type of stuff's going to happen as well. But right now, we just need uh six more players to fill out that 50 that top 51 roster. But we're sitting right now at negative 14 and a half million dollars against the cap next year. So it's important to kind of understand that going in. Now, I'm going to try to uh, pull up here the the uh, overall contract situation for the Green Bay Packers in 2023, and we're going to get an idea of how we could shave that money off, maybe what some options will be next year. So once again, we just need to, to be able to sign six players. We're $14.5 million in the hole right now when it comes to the cap. So let's look at what we have as far as our options for cap hits next year. The big one that stands out to me 
is uh, is David Bakhtiari, is he going to play or not? Now, if he does retire because of medical reasons, then uh, there's going to be some, some uh, you know, I'm not saying that that's going to happen. It sounds to me like things are going to be just fine. I'm just, I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate here a little bit, looking at everything from every different angle. Um, you know, he's he's got a dead cap next year of $23 million, but if he were to have to retire because of injury, there's going to be some other fudging of the numbers and more cap freed up. We won't get into all those details. The big one that stands out to me at the top, though, like I was going to say, is Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones next year's cap hit is $20 million, okay? His dead cap penalty is $9.5 million. What that means is if they cut Aaron Jones loose next year, Okay, they're going to free up over 10 million in cap. Now we're just four and a half away. I'm not saying they should do that. I'm just saying that's an option, right? Uh, let's go on down the list here and kind of kind of see who's another one. Here's an interesting one. Adrian Amos, you know, we, we added some voidable years onto that contract. Well, next year he's actually on the hook with not even being on the team. He's on the hook uh, for $7.9 million against the cap. Now, can they do a contract extension? and recoup some of that that's the question that i don't really have the answer to how the voidable contract actually works that's bonus money that's basically pushed out it's already been paid to the player i don't think they can get that back but can they work out a deal with adrian amos to have him back in green bay i don't know that's a tough one there Uh, all signs for me early on point to adrian amos probably won't be a packer next year and that sucks right? We'll see how that goes. Though. We'll kind of see how that unfolds. You know, Russell Douglas, we talked about him. You could free up a, a little over $3 million if you cut him loose after this one, this first year of the deal. I'm not saying you should do that. These are just options, right? Dean Lowry is going to be already off the roster next year, so that's not one you could play with. Um, that's kind of uh, That's kind of it when you look at it. I mean, you've got Mason Crosby, who's going to have avoidable years sitting there next year. So you're seeing we're kicking down the road is starting to affect the salary cap a little bit. It's it's manageable. It's totally manageable because you can do more avoidable years, which we, we all know, we agree, we don't want that to happen. But that is definitely an option. But when you look at how can you get under on these cap numbers, how can you get free up that $14.5 million? If indeed Spotrack is 100% accurate, I think that number will change as time goes on. But the big one that stands out to me is Aaron Jones – is a huge one for me. Um, you know, uh, you're not going to cut Preston Smith loose next year. Obviously, you're not going to get rid of Devontae Campbell. So really what it comes down to is it's probably going to be a restructure of Aaron Jones's contract and or cut him to free up $10 million, And then you're going to have to spread out some voidable years for the rest of that money. Now, if you do a contract extension... You know, for for let's say Rashawn Gary, who we picked up that fifth year option next year, he's on the hook for ten million. What I could see happen there is very very similar to what happened with Jair Alexander. Now we don't know exactly how much money Rashawn Gary is is going to cost the Packers. You know, I think that when I did a podcast a couple weeks ago, the numbers were projecting he was going to be making between twenty and twenty five million per year. Now, if you do cash over cap, which God, I, I hate even mentioning it because we don't have the time to go into exactly how cash over cap works. One easy way of looking at that is look at what happened with Aaron Donald here in the last few days, right? You got a guy that they're they're basically paying him thirty million per year, right? But they did cash over cap, and it allowed them to free up some cap space, um, you know, uh, much more much more cap space than you think they would have, you know, doing a, a thirty million dollar deal a year deal. Um, 
with with how that was structured. So I say that because there's going to be some options to get creative with Rashawn Gary's contract extension, just like we kind of did with uh, with Jair Alexander's uh, this year. The sooner we get that done, if they get that done early next year, then they're going to be able to uh, free up a big chunk of what we just talked about. And Aaron Jones' time uh, in the Green Bay Packers, unless he's willing to take a pay cut like like Cobby did, uh, man, it's uh, it's not looking good for uh, for Aaron Jones staying on the roster. So that that really hurts me because I, I love absolutely love Aaron Jones. But the beautiful thing is how the Packers drafted this year. You know, draft making I believe it was ten draft selections this year. Obviously, you just free up that cap space. Uh, this year now here's another option too what if Aaron Rodgers retires I know I my heart just dropped (laughs) if Aaron Rodgers walks away after this year then we're entering a different era of football for the Green Bay Packers that doesn't mean we immediately go in the tank right that doesn't mean that Jordan Love isn't a uh, won't be a good starting quarterback we don't know anyone who says they know they're kidding themselves the camp stuff is really cracking me up because it's just I don't know, man. I don't want to get into it too deep. It, it just amazes me how one second people are saying the cap, the cap information, or the uh, cap shoot, the camp information doesn't matter. OTAs don't mean anything. Don't buy into the hop. But then when something negative happens, it's oh no, look, he's not panning out. It's like you can't, you can't have you know one without the other. It either matters or it doesn't. And in my opinion, we don't know what they're working on. We don't. First of all, they're not even going full speed. So when people say that he overthrows somebody or underthrows somebody, what does that even mean? I watched the throw to Christian Watson. I'll be honest with you. Felt like Aaron Rodgers underthrew him. I thought he was going to get roasted for it. But then you look at the speed they're playing at right now. It's not even full. It's like, come on, guys. It's camp. It is what it is. We all want something to talk about to come out here and pretend like because a player quote unquote performs good or bad is going to make or break someone's career is just silly to me. So, uh, yeah, so looking ahead again to next year, that's kind of what we're looking at. Um, you know, we're, we're looking at it from a perspective of we got to free up that $14.5 million. There's a little bit of a road to hoe, but I have all the, all the, uh, all the confidence in the world in, in Goody and Russ Ball uh, to get that done. And the good thing is, um, well, back to Aaron Rodgers. If he if he were to retire next year, we need to we need to find someone who can actually give us the information, the exact details on what happens if he retires next year. Because the Packers are still going to be on the hook for some of that bonus money, right? I mean, when you look at 2023, you had a signing bonus of 12 million, and then you have a options bonus of 14 and a half million, which that's going to come to what roughly 26 million dollars. I imagine some of that's going to get paid back, or this may be what Ian Rappaport was referring to in taking that remaining bonus money and extending it out over a multitude of years to absorb that cap. Um, that's another thing that may happen too. You know, Rogers mentioned today uh, in a presser or being interviewed in the uh, in the locker room. You know that they wanted to get his extension done this year to free up cap room this year to bring people back. And that's exactly what they did. Now, you listen to the media, and they'll tell you that Rodgers hogged up all the money, and that's why Devontae Adams is gone. What's funny is um, nobody's talking about the portion of Aaron Rodgers' locker room talk there where he gave specifics on exactly what happened with Devontae Adams. I wish I had the soundbite so I could play it for you because you probably wouldn't believe me. You probably don't don't believe me when I tell you what, what he said. He said that... You know, first of all, David Carr, Derek Carr's brother, has come out and said this has been going on for five years now with Devontae Adams. He wanted to get to Vegas, uh, Oakland at the time, and Vegas now. 
um, as, as early as five years ago. But the Packers did not want to let him go. Okay, Remember, the media was saying Aaron Rodgers hogged all the money, and that's why Devontae Adams couldn't get re-signed. BS. Okay? Here's what Aaron said happened. He came. He said Devontae Adams came to him and said, I want to play in Vegas. Will you help me get there? Now, now check this out. This is what happened last year. This is from Aaron Rodgers. If you've got a better source, lay it on me. But this is what Aaron Rodgers said. He said that he came to him and said, I want to play for Vegas. Will you help me get there? So from the team standpoint, I guarantee you what happened was Rodgers went to Goody and LaFleur and said, look, he's pretty he's pretty sold on uh, wanting to play for Vegas next year. But he's asking me if I, if I can help get him there. Okay, how do you do that? Well, first of all, the Packers are not going to take minimal compensation for arguably the best receiver in the league. So the numbers are going to have to be inflated. Now, I'm not saying this was Goody's idea, but Aaron probably went to him and said, look, we need we need to get this guy the ball early and often. Let's get his numbers you know, pumped up that if we are indeed going to trade him, then we get good draft compensation, almost like an insurance policy for trading Devontae Adams. And then on top of that, what if he has a great year? And Aaron kind of talked about this. Maybe I could talk him into coming back. It's kind of what he said in that in that little mini presser, right? So uh, there was no reason to tank, that's for sure, for anyone, right? So let's go out and try to inflate the numbers to Devontae. And worst case scenario, he still wants out, and now we have better trade compensation because we, we forced the ball to him, and you see exactly the numbers he put up. That worked in the Green Bay Packers' favor. And then at the last second, it sounded like Aaron was trying to – Aaron literally went to him and said, what can I do to help, Tay? What can I do to help you? And he said, get me to Vegas. And that was the end of it. So I guarantee you Aaron went back to him and said, there's nothing I can do. So now Goody goes – you know, triggers his plan into motion and throws the book at him and says, we'll give you more money. We'll make it worth your time. And he comes back and says, no, I want to be closer to family. I want to play with Derek Carr and I want to be – I want to be in Vegas. So, bam, they pull the trigger on the trade. I just have so much respect for Devontae Adams. I have so much respect for Brian Gutekunst. And I have more respect for Aaron Rodgers now, too, because Aaron Rodgers said that's a friendship that far exceeds anything on the football field. Me and Tay are really, really good friends. And that's something he asked me to help him, to help do for him, and that's what I did. I don't know, man. I, I've been watching football a long time, and I've never heard a story unfold like that. It was so unique. And I have kind of mixed feelings about it. You know, it's not just like, okay, yeah, good for Aaron. That's great. And it's also not like, uh, you know, I can't believe Aaron would even, you know, force him the ball because he wants to play for another team. That's kind of, it is kind of a weird dynamic. I can't really put my finger on how I feel, but I have a lot of respect for all three parties and how they handled it. So, uh, yeah, uh, hopefully that answers some questions about the cornerback room. Like I said, I wanted to get you some, uh, you know, some contracts laid out and kind of give you an idea. We have, as of right now, five DBs that are under contract for next year's uh, team, which means, we're set there. We don't we don't need to go out and sign anyone in free agency. We don't need to do anything. That's another thing, too. When these players sign these deals, you've seen it with David Bakhtiari. He signed a long-term deal not too long ago, and then you've seen him restructure last year to free up cap room. So you, you may see that with Rasul Douglas, seeing that he got that three-year extension. You may see that with Jair Alexander. There's a lot of money to play with there with Jair Alexander, and they already got him cash over cap. So he's got some money up front that he's happy, right? So he's willing to maybe, maybe move some stuff around and do some things. So, um, again, another one was Darnell Savage. That's one I wanted to look at. Let me take a quick glance at that before we get out of here. Yeah, bingo. Here's one right here. Darnell Savage next year, okay? Um, 
He, he counts towards $7.9 million against the cap next year because he's on that fifth-year option. But what if they sign him to a long-term deal like J.J. Leahy tends you know, it, I, I don't want to put words in J.J.'s mouth, but it seems like J.J.'s leaning towards, yeah, I think this fifth-year option is uh, is kind of towards uh, a contract extension. There, you know, gives them a little bit of time, kind of a key way, a, a gateway into uh, you know, signing that long-term deal. So if they do indeed do that, then they're going to be able to shave some money off there too with an extension. They'll be able to do some in the signing and option bonus, push a little money into the future, and free up. Who knows? They might be able to free up three or four million there. So I have no no worries whatsoever that the Packers will be under the cap next year, and the majority, the large majority, of this team will be intact. What I'm hoping for is uh, Aaron Jones getting a restructure to where he comes back next year if he's healthy of course if he comes out this year and has injury problems then you know it might not it might be best just to cut him loose I hate to say that because I really like Aaron Jones but everybody's talking about Kylan Hill if indeed he's healthy he plays a lot like Aaron Jones so he would step into that role and then AJ Dillon you know continue to do what he does and you know develop in the run of the football I'm with Ryan I kind of feel like Aaron Jones is a better running back than AJ Dillon a lot of people disagree with that I'm sure so I don't want to just shoo this off like well AJ Dillon's better than Aaron Jones anyway I think Aaron Jones is a dynamic player. And the fact that here in OTAs, it sounds to me like reports are saying that there's a lot of formations they're running with both Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon on the field at the same time. That's really, really exciting for me. It was also cool to see Sammy Watkins out there catch a passes from Aaron. Um, I got a good feeling about Sammy Watkins. I really, really do. Hearing him talk in the locker room, it sounds like he understands exactly what's on the line for him. And uh, he wants to earn a big contract. So I think you're going to get the best of Sammy Watkins this year. Um, just a lot of things to uh, to kind of kind of look at next year, right? And um, and and even this year, as far as extending players, but uh, I'm really really excited about the future. This roster sits pretty well. Now I think it's safe to say there's not going to be a whole lot of spending in free agency next year. Your roster is kind of intact, right? But I can't think of anyone on the roster that I go, man, he's really old. He's underperforming, and we can't get rid of him. There's nobody on the con- under contract that really sits like that. There really isn't. So uh, I think in a perfect world. You extend Darnell Savage, free up a little money right then and there. Maybe you get Adrian Amos back on a two- or three-year deal. I don't know if he's willing to do that. That would be cool to keep that intact. But if not, you're going to leave a hole there if Adrian Amos does walk. So we're kind of coming to that crossroads, right? This is the negative aspect of what we've done with the contract to go all in there the last two years. And now you're kind of playing catch-up right? So it's all going to come down to the the number one question for the next offseason is going to be, is Aaron Rodgers coming back or not? Period right? Number two is, is David Bakhtiari still on the roster and is he healthy, right? And then number three is Aaron Jones. What do we do with that contract? Those are the three things to watch. And any kind of extensions that take place, whether it's Darnell Savage or uh, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, uh, Rashawn Gary, there's ways that we can use that to our advantage to help with the cap next year uh, in uh, in current times. So, um, hope you enjoyed that, guys. That's the episode for today. Um, it's always fun breaking down these numbers with you guys. Like I said, I want to give a shout-out back to the uh, the email listeners. Really, really appreciate y'all taking the time. Um, the listener emails, I should say. You guys taking the time to not only listen to the show, but interact with us, guys. It's huge. I can't promote it enough. Um, I, I really didn't expect the, uh, the amount of feedback that we got as quick as we did, but I'm really, really thankful you guys are doing it because it adds to the show. That, that last game in Milwaukee is a really, really cool story. And I think I'm going to pull that up tonight and put that on tap, and we're going we're gonna to watch that tonight. So if you guys hear this uh, you know, in time, do the same thing, man. Go find it on YouTube. See if you can find a, a video link for it. 
and uh, let's all kind of watch it together. But that was a really, really cool game. That was kind of Brett Favre's coming out party and uh, taking him from, wow, this guy's got a lot of uh, a lot of talent and a, a bright future ahead of him too. This guy could be one of the best, and he plays the game the right way. So it was it was really fun to watch watch his uh, career unfold. So, like I said, if you guys hadn't emailed us, um, then that story would not have got talked about today, and it definitely made the show better. So email us at PackersTotalAccess at gmail.com. Again, you can find us on Twitter at Packers underscore access. Give us a follow, and we always follow right back. Um, we're not one of those accounts that's just like, okay, I got me another follower. Let me sit here and try to bolster my numbers. We want to follow you guys back. We want you to interact with us on Twitter. That way we can kind of keep our – our, uh, our thumb on the pulse here, our finger on the pulse of our, what what do the listeners want, what's on everybody's mind, and moving forward, how can we make the show better. So, as always, thank you for your time. Let's go out and be the change that we want to see in the world, and go Pack Go!